Mabuhai. You are listening to the Decolonizing Medicine Podcast. I'm Jamie Panetta, your host, and I am a queer, non-binary trans person and a practitioner of Hilot and Chinese medicine. My ancestry is mostly Tagalog and some Chinoy, but I was raised here on Turtle Island. This episode is part one of a two-episode story with Kale Okolani Matsui. She will be sharing her experiences as a gestational parent, the impacts of colonization on her care, and her connection to ancestral wisdom. Content warnings for this episode include domestic violence, sexual assault, and medical trauma. There are some exciting things in the works for 2022. One of them is that I am in the process of opening an in-person practice in Baltimore. I also have another zine coming in the Five Phase series. This one will be about wood. For updates on my work, you can sign up for my mailing list at linktree slash Jamie Panetta Healing Arts. As always, Patreon has been so helpful in allowing me the creativity and flexibility to do these projects and make medicine more accessible in many different ways. Are you ready to talk about this? I am not Coco. <laughs> I'm so I'm so excited. How are you doing today? Today I'm, you know, running around all over the place and as usual. So I'm doing really good. You know, every other day is like uh ups and downs, but right now I'm floating on a high just because of this opportunity to speak with you and on this beautiful podcast. I feel really honored and just very welcomed and warm. So mahalo. Yay. Um, I know you're in like Chinatown International District in Seattle right now. And it's giving me flashbacks of like all my delicious food places that I don't get to see anymore. <laughs> so it's like yes. seeing you in the on the screen, like it gives me all of this context of like location and the people that are around there and like, you know all the community in that, in that area. So it's, yeah. it feels good. It's like positive, like flashbacks coming to me. Oh, girl, I love, I love to contribute in that way, but now nah, I do. <laughs> I am very excited myself to be back in um, Chinatown International District too. It's, it's been a home for me for a really long time, but having been away for most of the pandemic and, and then through maternity leave and now coming back is, is I hope I'm also in that wave of feelings right now. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's, let's talk about the story of bringing Micah into this world. Mm. Yeah. Oh, and also on top of that, um, I would love to hear about, I already heard it, but I would love to hear again about how you named Micah. Oh, I, I. So, buckle up, everybody. We're going in. So, Maika Makali'io Kalani Sumie Matsui is my hiopo, my um, divine firstborn. And um, she was born in June 2021. So, 
six months ago, which I cannot believe. But um, especially for Makali'u Kalani, her Inua Hawaii, her Hawaiian name, there's a lot of different kinds of stories. I already have a a joke that I'm going to play on my daughter (laughs) for the rest of her life. Every time she asks me, how did you name me Makaliyo Kalani? I'm going to tell her a different mo'olalo, a different story every single time. <laughs> but for this one, for right now, um, Makali'i is the name of the constellations that are commonly known as um, the Pleiades. I, but like Makali'i, Matari'i, um, Mataiki, like all across Polynesia, is that that's the name that these constellations go by and when these constellations come over the horizon that's when at least in Hawaii it's the Makahiki season it's the new year it's um, a time of peace and and like growth and and you know play like it's just a beautiful beautiful time for almost half the year and that happens around October November um, same in like Tahiti it's Matari'i um, Inia, which is the Makali'i up above. Um, and it's just such a significant wayfinding piece for our peoples, for our generations. And for me growing up, the Pleiades is what I had known this as, the constellations. And the only story I had known of that was that the Pleiades are riding on the back of an ox who is trying to protect them from Orion, you know, Orion's belt. I would always look for Orion's belt, see the ox, and then find the Pleiades in the sky. And that story, that Mo'olelo, is talking about how the Pleiades are running away from Orion because Orion wants them. He lusts after them. He wants to defile them. He wants to take advantage of them. He wants to commit assault against them, right? And I always looked at myself as if I was the Pleiades, having been a survivor of sexual abuse and sexual assault uh, from childhood onward. And, you know, I would look up to the sky and wish that I would have an ox, someone to protect me, someone to carry me away. Um, I just can't do this anymore. And so then fast forward when I have gone through emotional abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, like in in domestic abuse situations with relationships I had growing up. And then finally, I find my kuwipo, my sweetheart, you know, my kane, my husband, um, Kitman. And to him, I owe so much. But in the part of my healing process, he had no idea how special the Pleiades were to me um, in a very convoluted way, right? But one of the very first things he he shared to me that was just so sweet and to this day he commented on all this the freckles on my face and was like oh i really love the pleiades on your face and i was like that meant so much to me and at in that moment i i looked at him like oh my gosh this is my ox this is the one i was waiting for but don't worry this comes back to feminine empowerment <laughs> but um and direction direction and ownership. But as I was becoming more closer in my journey towards myself as a Kanaka Maoli, as a native Hawaiian, I just 
rediscovered, just had this epiphany, learning about the Mo'olelo and the story, the historical lore behind Makali'i and what that meant to my people, what that means to my people, and how the Makali'i was the eyes, Makali'i means the eyes of the chief. Like these were the eyes of our leaders leading us towards peace, leading us towards love, leading us towards each other across the Pacific Ocean, the Moana Nui Ahiva. And how much more powerful of a message that was for me and how that flipped the script of how I how I viewed myself. Honestly, that was one of the first decolonized moments I ever became aware of. Um, that no, I wasn't this object of objectifying being of of lust, you know, um, that instead I was the eyes of our leaders, that I was um, powerful, that I was full of peace and and was known and seen and revered uh, across all of my um, Polynesian ancestors, you know. And so when I became aware of that, my ku'uipo would always comment on the makali'i of my face. Um, these small little eyes that could see so much more clearly now, as makali'i also means small eyes. And in my journey of finally overcoming fear, how am I going to bring a pepe, a baby, into this world when I don't know if I can protect them from the kind of sexual assault I experience? I don't know if I will be able to bring them into such a dangerous world. Like I was surrounded by loved ones and it still happened to me. That was a fear I had to overcome. And once I did overcome that knowing, I, I you know, I determined to decolonize this world and, and, and create a safer place so that they treat my Pepe better than they treated me. Um, and my Ku'uipo and I decided like, oh, it's time, it's time, let's, grow our ohana, let's grow our family. When I finally realized that I was carrying my pole, that was when the makali'i were up in the sky. And before I, um, you know, knew anything more other than that I was hapai, I was carrying life. Um, I was thinking about my pepe, thinking about the future, looking up at the makali'i, and seeing shooting stars fly by, more Makali surrounding it. And I just knew I was connected to the Akka, the, the soul of my, my Pepe. So that is just one, one, one backstory of her, Inua. <laughs> oh, it's so good, though. It's such a good story. Yeah. I love it. I, like, feel it in my body. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so my next question is about what your what was your postpartum experience like? Mm-hmm. Or even your delivery also. Oh, sure. Yes. The delivery. Ooh, yeah. The delivery. My Kuwip and I, my sweetheart, we're like a team. And we went into that whole hot pie stage, that whole pregnancy stage together. And we were just like, all right, let's get educated, you know? So we took as many classes as we could all online because 
it was, I have a pandemic baby. Um, <laughs> that is also a thing now. Um, but we took our virtual classes, you know, we wanted to uh, take Lamaze classes so that we could um, push for my own, our own personal goals. I just want to start too that every birth is natural birth. Like I am not like some are natural, some is not like if however your Pepe got out of your feminine body <laughs> into Dale, into this physical world, that is a natural birth. Um, but my personal goal was like, okay, we don't want um, medication. We don't want like an epidural. We want a spontaneous vaginal birth, like all these kind of things we wanted to gear ourselves up for it so we could be prepared to achieve our goals, you know? all with trying to keep my spiritual health and focus uh, in, in focus throughout. Um, we wanted to get a doula to also ensure that and, and be on our team as well. But with the pandemic, we had to choose. Like I couldn't have unlimited numbers of people. I was lucky I could have my kuuipo, my sweetheart with me. And then I could only have one additional adult and that was going to be taken up by a doula or a family member. And I couldn't imagine going through this without my makuhine, without my mama, without my mom. And so we knew we couldn't have a doula. And that comes back to haunt me so much. So in the delivery, the day of, I just went to go visit my OB, purposely chose a woman of color, um, and she came and checked me and, and she was like, oh, do you want me to check your cervix? I was like, yeah, you should probably check that. Um, but she's like, how are you feeling? I was like, I'm fine. I'm going to go do virtual boot camp tomorrow. I got Tahitian class tonight with Huraiti Mana. I'm good. You know, she goes in, checks my cervix and is like, did your water break? I was like, mm, not that I know of. Um, and she's like, cause water's coming out right now. And then she looked and she measured, she's like, you're at five centimeters for all of those. You don't know that's halfway there. You got to get to 10 centimeters and boop, your baby falls out. Okay. It doesn't fall out, but you know, um, 10 centimeters is the goal. And so I was already halfway there and I had no idea. Um, and she was like, you got to go to the hospital. You got to go across the street right now. And we're like, what? We don't even have our hospital bag. Like new parent <laughs> mess up one but um she's like no you gotta go i was like are you sure because i remembered back to my lamaze classes you don't go to the hospital unless you're like ha, ha, like going through active or, or almost active labor going through contractions and i had zippo zippo contractions i was fine like she was just concerned thinking my water had broke so with that i was like oh i have this urge i have this in uh intuition but i went against it we went to the hospital and as soon as we got to the hospital they were immediately like okay let's put you on pitocin and i was like no <laughs> whoa you know excuse me that um like i said for the feminine bodies for the gestational parent who do opt for induction induced labors um, and do go undergo using Pitocin to move the process along. Like that's, that's their prerogative. That's necessary. And I can go into that later too, for the type of world we live in that don't carry, you know, pregnant bodies in the care it deserves. But 
for me, I just knew I didn't need that right now. I was like, can we wait? Can we, can I walk around with my kino, with my body? Can I see that my body takes, takes its role, knows what's to do and, and goes into it? Like, I don't want, I don't want to be medicated right now. And that made the doctors very uncomfortable. And I realized after the process, doctors do not like to be uncomfortable. <laughs> and um, that is an issue. So I was comfortable, however, but they wanted me to be uncomfortable with the decision making. And I was like, nope, I'm comfortable with walking through this and making sure my keynote has a chance to do what it knows to do. Um, this is my like ancestral heritage coming through me in my feminine body. I was made to do this. I already felt that way. I knew it and I wanted to trust myself. And so they're like, well, if the water broke, then we don't know how long it was broken. And, you know, we don't want the Pepe to be in less amniotic fluid than is safe. But we check the vitals. Everybody's doing good. Pepe's heart rate is great. And I was like, well, how many hours is technically unsafe? They're like, oh, seven hours. I was like, well, then give me seven hours. I, you gave me two minutes. Like, I don't see the rush, the necessary rush. And so I'm glad I advocated for that. And so did my people, so did my mom. So we're walking around forever and a day. Pepe don't want to come. And I could tell still I'm not in labor. I'm not, this is not the time to give birth. I'm making funny TikTok videos. Okay, okay, now I'm not on TikTok. But I did make funny videos that would be TikTok worthy while I was pregnant in my gown. So they knew. They were like, okay, you're not laboring. Um Let's get you started on Pitocin seven hours later. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, thinking my Pepe is not swimming in their bath water, right? <laughs> in my womb. And um, so we start on Pitocin. But my Kuipo asks this nurse, who is a white lady, and asks her, is there any signs that we can see that we can then lessen Pitocin or even stop it? when we don't need it anymore. And she was like, mm, no, once you start Pitocin, you're on it for good. And we didn't know it then, but now that's just straight up malpractice. That's not true. That's not true. So she puts us, she puts me on Pitocin and immediately it everything gets nuts. And I have a very high pain tolerance. Now I know. All my life, I was told I didn't because I would have my mutty, my menstruation cycle, and it would just shut me down. Like, I got to get picked up from school kind. And I used to be told, oh, you don't have, oh, you can't handle pain, blah, 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 because it's so expected for whatever reason that you're bleeding from your vagina, that your feminine body is going through so much turmoil, and you're just expected to take this math test right now or like do whatever it is you're supposed to do. After having going through all my labor, sorry, this is a little segue. I know for a fact that my mutty in high school was a seven centimeter labor contraction pain level, which has most people on the floor on hands and knees. Okay. So now I know I have a high pain tolerance. Um, but for over two hours, I was on Pitocin and I could not breathe. Like I couldn't breathe. There was no breaks. Between contractions, you're supposed to have up to two minutes of break. And I had none, no breaks whatsoever. Um, 
stop me whenever you need to need to pause or so just to clarify you had a two hour long straight up contraction yes straight up forcing my body and i knew something was wrong like how am i gonna get to five centimeters chilling like a villain and then six centimeters seven centimeters i am like splitting in half just day and night just like a switch not even you know a lead up and i couldn't breathe and i and i knew from our trainings you're supposed to have a break you're supposed to have a break so that you can get up change positions do this do that i could not move because i was concentrating on all of my mana to get through this and i could i i physically couldn't breathe so i couldn't do any of the hanuha exercises um and i keep referencing lamaz because that's something that maybe most folks know but hanuha breath, breathing exercise like for thousands of years everybody <laughs> breathes yes. right yes <laughs> everybody breathes everybody breathes hopefully <laughs> And it's like not something new that we know of and putting it into practice specifically for birth and labor. Like, oh my gosh, ancestors have been about this for a long time before Lamaz became classes became a thing. But anyway, I'm thinking back to my classes and I'm like, there is supposed to be a break here. And I was like, I cannot breathe. There's no breaks. My husband's like, she cannot breathe. There's no breaks. My mom saying the same thing. The nurse is saying, that's normal. She looked at my chart. That's normal. She said, finally, I like could not handle it. There's another thing I want to go to potentially too. I had this nurse check my cervix. Like this thing better be at 10 centimeters now. She's like, no, it's only at seven. But when she goes in to check me, that's very personal, right? She's going between your legs, going into the vagina. She is the only person that as a, you know, female medical professional, as many UTIs as I've had, as many pap smears as I've had, she's the only one that like touched my whole entire feminine body piece and before going in. And she didn't even say she was going to do this. She didn't say, I'm going to touch your inner thigh. I'm going to touch your vulva now. I'm going to open it. Didn't say any of that. Touched my whole entire clitoris and then entered. And I am in the middle of a two-hour contraction, the top of the contraction, everything stops. And that's all I feel. That is weird. Mm -hmm. That is, that is weird. Weird. And like, when I've told other medical professionals after this, trying to get help on that, they're like, okay, we do teach people like when, when you're giving labor, like things are kind of moving around. It doesn't look as like, familiar maybe and everyone's different so maybe they're using that as the guiding light to get to you fine but she didn't tell me that and i specifically spoke to my ob so many times about how i come from a traumatized past with sexual abuse you know and that needs to be considered when i'm delivering i had that on my chart you know everything because of course my ob is not delivering me she's off of work. So that was horrific, horrific for Mm -hmm. me. I called the doctor. I was like, you need to go get the doctor. Um, And they get the doctor come in. And my mom's like, she cannot breathe. My husband's like, she cannot breathe. And the doctor looks at my Pitocin charts or however, stop the Pitocin. 
She didn't even lower it. She just stopped it. Because looking at it, clearly there was a problem. The doctor checks me just as the nurse just had. But this time the doctor's like, your water is not broken. And for anyone who's, I've been able to share, I even went back to my Lamaze teacher and told them my birth story and they were horrified because no, ma- no amount of Pitocin in the world will get you to labor or birth or delivery if your water is not broken. So I was just overdosed on this medicine I didn't want in the first place for over two hours begging throughout that time to make it stop because I knew something was wrong and I was not heated. Mm, this, oh, mm-hmm. it's just, that's just so violating on so many levels. So many levels. That's fucked up. Yeah, essentially. That's the only way you can describe it, right? Livid. And it's just, crazy because my husband and I both did not like this nurse. We did not like her at all. And had we known that of each other, we would have fired her before she even gave us Pitocin. Her attitude was wrong. Everything was wrong. And okay, Kanaka Maoli culture, and I can go into that separately. There, (laughs) when the woman from, from, the whole entire gestation period through the delivery and afterward, it is absolute that the Doina the, Vahine, the feminine principle, the feminine body, the gestational parent is not in contact with any type of negativity, not in at all. Like, of course, physical endangerment, but also spiritual, emotional, psychological, like no stress, no work, no worry. Okay. Because we believe that the akka, the, the the fetus, has this acute emotional awareness um, and is aware of na loko ino or like evil vibrations that would be imprinted on their mauli, on their life force, and follow them forever. So it took me a couple of weeks to really come to terms with like, God, this happened to me. And I didn't stand up for myself. I didn't, you know, I, I was going through the, all that negativity and I felt like my Pepe was carrying that. I was like, I made a vow to bring my Pepe into the world, especially when I found out my Pepe is a kaikamahine, a feminine, feminine um, principle. And I felt like the vicious cycle was happening already from day one. And I was distraught. I still am distraught. You know, I'm still working through that. But the reason we hadn't fired that nurse was because I was focusing as if I was the issue. Like, I don't want to bring any negativity around my baby. So I'm not going to create a scene. When really, this nurse was creating the scene all by herself. And it had nothing to do with how I was, you know, protecting or not protecting my Pepe. And there's so many studies out there how women of color are not believed when it comes to our own bodies or our own um, uh, pain, you know, like it's, it's awful. And that that same prejudice is against all feminine bodies. Yeah. And 
it's a sickness. It's a sickness in our society, but especially there are studies prevalent in the medical industry in the U.S. So with that, Pitocin stops, the water breaks, and my kino, my body, given to me by my ancestors, takes over, does everything right, is contractions are now two minutes apart. Like I am breathing through hanu ha, like through the whole thing. My kuipo is there. My mama is there. We get this done. And with superhuman strength, man, I thrust my body on top of this squatting squatting bar for the last like couple centimeters, push my pepe out. And um, when she did when she did come into this world, they all, they start in Tepo, where we all come from, in the realm of darkness, the realm of spirituality, the realm of gods, and come earthside into Teao, the physical realm where we are. I just held on to my Pepe, you know, had a very quiet moment. I didn't say anything. And my Kuipo knew as well. And we were keeping her Inua, her name, secret. You know, she should be the first one to know um, her own name. That's the first thing she's going to have in this world. Um, and nobody can take that away from her. So we're being very quiet. And the nurse wants to talk about story. We just ignored her. <laughs> we just didn't say anything. And we just told her. <laughs> yeah, we just like, no. She asking all questions. No. <laughs> She's not invited to, invited to that party. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not invited to the party. We wait for all the nurses to leave. And, you know, there were great, amazing nurses that did come, did hold, you know, the bag for me to puke in. I almost puked on top of her, did hold my hair, or do all kinds of stuff, you know, great, beautiful nurses, except for that one, which happened to be my head nurse and happened to be the only white nurse. And... So when they all left, finally we had a moment of quiet. That's when we, um, you know, shared our inua to my Pepe. And there's also a prayer I had been saying the whole whole time throughout, just saying it to myself. And it's um, a prayer that goes like this: Eku, Ehina, Elaveyaku, Kekui. And that is praying to Ku and Hina, to our God and goddesses. Take away this pain. Take away the throbbing. Let your spirits and life flow through me. And I'm constantly praying that over and over and over again. Um, and it is something that I, also, that, that I learned from this Puke here. Yeah, daughters of Haumea, women of ancient Hawaii, which I'm happy to go into um, after finishing my delivery story too, because there is, of course, a section about Kapalikeiki, yeah, which is our OBs, our obstetricians. I got really quiet when I said that because I don't really know how to pronounce that. Um, <laughs> so. That that was delivery, yeah. I mean, I could go into that. Definitely segues into postpartum and um, more if if that works. Let's talk about it. Yeah. yeah, let's go into it. If you're if you are down, 
I am so down. So, um, Ooh, sure. Sorry, I'm taking, uh, yeah, here's a pause. <laughs> okay, so I do feel like I sound different than I feel sometimes when it comes to this story. I haven't shared it much, honestly, with just who they did and then maybe some people at work. And every time I do share it, it does get better. It's like, crushes me and makes me stand up stronger every time. And um, so I really appreciate this opportunity to share it in a spacious, in a space, especially that is not trying to like, I'm not taking myself to trial. You know, when I went to some medical professionals after what had happened, trying to say some this something hor I am traumatized, something traumatizing happened to me, it was not right. It was just like, going to trial, like everything I was saying was, is that evidence or not? Or is that true or not? You know, they're trying to look for ways to excuse this, that, and the third. And I know this is not a space that's doing that. And I really, mahalo nui loa, mahalo piho, and full of thanks for this space. Mahalo. I have a lot of gratitude that you're sharing this story with us because it's really important. Like I... our stories are powerful. Yeah, mahalo. They, I, I, do want like you're not even Popeye yet you're not pregnant but you're thinking about it like know this so you I don't want anybody to have to go through something that they don't need to go through but and and even though I ended up not having to use the epidural I ended up having a vaginal birth um I ended up having a most most healthy beautiful kaikumahine that doesn't excuse the unnecessary suffering that I had to go through. And that took me a while to get to as well. Because you can be extremely grateful and extremely suffering at the same time. Um, and, and that took a journey for me to get to that. But when Pepe came into Earthside Teo, I did say... Um, which means the foundation of the tree sees the light in the renewed branch. That was the first thing I had said when my Pepe arrived. The eyes have seen the light. And I was so high, I was so proud to be able to bring her into this world using the same leo, the same language that my ancestors had. And I think right in this very moment, I'm realizing that although that, you know, the evil vibrations, I was afraid of, you know, implicating that onto the soul of my baby to follow her for the rest of her life, realizing no, how I had brought her into the world was using the language, using the oli, using the prayers that my ancestors had. And now that she's in the world, having come from that, I can stand tall and stand okay. <laughs> but that's what her legacy starts as.
Maraming Salamat for listening to the Decolonizing Medicine podcast. If you want to support this work via Patreon or apply to be a guest on the show, go to linktree slash Jamie Panetta Healing Arts. Music is by Amber Ojeda, Head Candy, and Rocky Marciano. Big thanks to Lauren Ellen McCann for audio engineering. Last but not least, thank you to all our listeners and supporters out there. Ingat!